and welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time Podcast Edition. I was supposed to say where we wear tuxedos, and it is time. All right, you want to do it again? No, we don't. That's fine. Okay, let's jump right into it. Okay, what are we talking about today, Chris? Um, we're talking about our origins of content generation. It's our origin story. <laughs> our origin story. Some people asked when I reached out on Instagram the other week what they wanted to hear on the podcast. Some people wanted to hear our relationship story, like how we met and started going out, but let's talk about our content origin story, as you mentioned, and we'll save our actual relationship story for another podcast. Maybe the next episode. All right, well, where do we even begin? Well, we bought a house. Okay. so Not this house that we're sitting in right now. No, our first, our very first house. We were but a young Becky and Chris. 2011. Circa 2011. How old were we in 2011? I don't know. Fucking. Nine years ago. So whatever your age is then, or whatever your age is now, minus nine. Okay, well, math. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We started making internet content in 2011 after we bought our very first house Mm -hmm. in St. John's, Newfoundland. Yes. We started a home renovation blog, like not a vlog, a blog, like a written website where we typed up letters into sentences and tried our best to tell a story. You created prose, passages. Who's that? Who's a pro? Prose, like written. Oh, like a prose. Oh, yeah. okay. Here's the thing. Poetry. We started a blog. Neither of us are good writers. In fact, I failed all writing courses, English, everything in school that ever required me to write anything. I failed. And I remember being in school and I had a tutor for English and she said, you should start writing a journal so you could practice writing so you'd get better at it. And I was like, fuck that. That's not how you're either born a good writer or you're not. And not it's, true. It's not true. She was right because we started writing the blog and in 2016, I could actually put together a sentence or write a post. Was there grammar errors? Yes. Were there spelling errors? Yes. Were there run on sentences? Yes. But you have to admit they were definitely better than our very first blog posts that you had to completely restructure. There was there were improvements, but you still don't know the difference between there, there, and there. I do know... I do know the difference. I just don't proofread my tweets. Stop giving me that look. Is Shapes there, and colors. Is there really a difference, though, of you, whether you're not knowing versus not caring? Um, Doesn't even matter. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> so going back to that, so we started this blog, right? So we were renovating our house. We started to basically like hold ourselves accountable to be doing these projects. And the reason why we bought a renovation is because I was fucking bent on having a house to renovate. Wait, you said bought a renovation? Bought a house to renovate. Well, whatever I said, I said. Sorry. (laughs) Bought a renovation. Bought a house to renovate. I grew up like watching HGTV. I remember like weekends spent sitting on the couch with my father, like watching New Yankee Workshop and Bob Vila's Home Again. And I like no joke, like in my spare time when I was a kid, like I used to like break out the graph. I had graph paper notebook. So Bob Vila's Home Again. Yes. Is is that a Canadian show or is that... Um, A North American show. I think it's North American. Okay. Tweet at us and let us know if you know who Bob Vila is and if you're from America or Canada. I like really honestly feel like those two shows were the spark in interest in home renovations. And I didn't even realize it when I was so young watching these shows with my dad. But anyway, when I was a kid, I was like probably like 12, 13, 14. I had a gridded notebook and I would like be up in my room. My mom would be cooking dinner and dad would be down watching golf. And I would literally be drawing house plans <laughs> so now these house plans listen these house plans were like a room here for blow up furniture and then a mezzanine and then like a room over here for something else and then in the center there was always a pool the fuck is a mezzanine you know like a walkway isn't a mezzanine a like a half story oh 
Well, I don't really know. I never was trained in any of those things. <laughs> but anyway. So now I actually know what a mezzanine is and yeah. you don't. <laughs> hey, Google. Wait, no. Yeah, let us know who, who's correct on the definition you're, of mezzanine. You're correct. But what you were going to say something as I was saying that. Oh, I was going to say that your designs were like room, hallway, another room, hallway, another room. It's like a, a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, it was like a hot dog with, and it always had a pool in the center. Pool was like on the bottom story, but it went up. Like you could look into the pool from the second story. Everyone I drew. Oh, maybe that is a mezzanine then. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I don't even Itch. know what this is. I don't even know what a mezzanine I don't either. is. We'll Google it later. We don't Google things in this house. I don't. You do. So that was your introduction into home stuff? Yeah. So my dad was really into it. He built all of our houses, mm-hmm. designed them all himself, built them with like people. He learned basically from He walking. basically was like the contractor and he subcontracted all the different trades. Correct. So he, he, he project managed all of his houses. He did, yeah. And he, you know, is a handyman. Like, he builds things. He's built furniture for himself. He, he taught us how to do all, pretty much all of our stuff. Yeah, him and I built a deck together in our last house. And uh, so he basically learned from, like, his grandfather and his father and from watching, like, New Yankee Workshop and Bobby. So as I was, like, getting these things absorbed into my brain when I was a child, like, he was actually learning and doing those projects. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, so cue me drawing the house plans. Then I'm like 14, 15 years old and trading spaces is on TLC, okay? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of friends. So I used to spend my weekends sitting at home watching trading spaces. I didn't and have just, a lot of friends. I didn't. My sister used to be like, why are you home again on a Saturday night? I'd be like, I don't have a lot of friends. But uh, yeah, I used to watch like trading spaces and I became obsessed. And then trading spaces TLC turned into HGTV. And that turned into like Brian Baumler. What's his show called again? Well, Brian's House. This is probably the most Brian. recent one. Yeah, but what was the first one? It was his renovation show. Anyway, and then like Mike Holmes, all, all of their shows. And then I just became obsessed. See, I never really liked any of those shows. I didn't find them interesting at all. But you know what? You growing up in like, I, don't, I never remember a point in your house where you'd ever have HGTV on the TV. No. Like your parents weren't really big TV watchers, I don't think. Not at all. Yeah. And so maybe that, maybe if you they were into that stuff but neither of your parents were really into that stuff either like your mom is into like decorating but your dad was into cars yeah dad was a car guy not really a house guy Mm -hmm. yeah we didn't he didn't he never did any renovation projects the only renovation project i remember from my family i think four years old my grandpa was a carpenter Mm -hmm. so he came up from california and he finished our basement when we were living in newfoundland the first time right and i remember getting a special feeling from the electrical box punch outs mm-hmm. that looked was like was it the same special feeling that you got from like ninjas swords swords nunchucks paintball nunchucks yeah, yeah. you'll yeah. hear about that in the on the vlog on sunday correct yes i'd collect those little punch outs from the electrical boxes because mm-hmm. i thought they were of value because they look like coins i guess i don't know oh my god that's so funny <laughs> that's crazy because like when i think about my childhood and how many things about like home renovation and construction materials, the smell of them, like bring me back. Like the smell of new drywall reminds me of my childhood when my parents were building a house. And do you know what that's called? No. Proust, the Proust effect. What? Are, are you making that up? No. The Proust effect. P-R-O-U-S-T. What does it mean? It's the phenomenon when you get thrown back into an involuntary memory from a smell. I feel like it's the closest thing we have to like time travel. Well, it's it's a it's a very intense feeling that an emotion you can get very overtaken, whether it be positive or negative, mm-hmm. from smells. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, my grandfather was a painter, 
mm-hmm. painter plaster, and he used to refinish furniture all the time. And back in the day, oil paints and finishes were what people used. Like nowadays, it's mostly water-based and latex stuff. But I, you know, go to their house during Christmas and guaranteed Pop would have the whole house painted so it would smell like new paint and he'd be refinishing something in the basement so it smelled like burnish. Mm-hmm. And anytime I smell any of those smells, it's Christmas at Nana Pops. Really? Yeah. So when I was using oil-based uh, clear coat when we were doing the home renovation, mm-hmm. did that bring you back? Yes. And when you had the wax out in the garage the other day, that brought me back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy hey it is it's funny how that works Mm -hmm. i was harassing you for a long time like let's move out let's buy a house let's do a renovation and you had zero interest in renovations i'm like 26 years old and like well if i continue to live at home with mom then i can save more money yeah and i'm like bitch you're 26 years old get out of your mother's house (laughs) so we moved out we bought a house we moved out we saw i think we looked at like 20 houses and none of them really felt right and a lot of them were like finished, move-in ready for most people. We just weren't feeling any of them. When we were looking at these houses, a lot of, we were a very weird buyer. Yes. Because at that point you'd already convinced me, oh, here's my Pinterest boards or here's my house boards, whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. And this is the idea. And you got me excited about modern living spaces. Otherwise I wasn't really excited about it. But all that stuff was ungodly expensive. Yeah. So the only way to achieve it was to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had that plan then when we were looking for houses. Because we definitely had a very specific style. Like I knew I liked modern. I knew my taste. And the thing about St. John's is is back then when we bought our house, like there wasn't, modern wasn't really a thing that people did. It It still isn't. Still isn't. I mean, it's definitely getting more popular, but it wasn't. And so it's, it's still far overshadowed by traditional. Absolutely. So most of the houses on the market were traditional. Most of the materials that you buy in any home decor store are were traditional, except for Sam. And Sam's design used to be Attica. Attica was, they had mod- some modern stuff, then that turned into Sam. This, and, this is a store, for anybody who doesn't know, this is a store in downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada, where we're from. Yeah, the only home decor and furniture store that carries any modern stuff on the right. island at the time, in 2011. So yeah, when we were looking at these houses, they were all finished traditional, and... Our budget was small. Oh, and we couldn't afford anything in Sam either. No. No, we couldn't afford anything (laughs) in Sam. We couldn't afford anything at Sam. We couldn't afford what we wanted in a house. And so we were kind of left with either buying a builder basic home and living with that um, or buying an older home that was cheaper and then renovating it and doing everything ourselves and building things to get the look we wanted. Right. And that was the the problem when we were trying to pick a house was the houses at the top of our budget were already quote unquote renovated and ready to move in. Mm -hmm. But all that money that they had put it, that the people had put into the house, they had finished, they'd finished the house exactly like we didn't want. Yes. So it was wasted in the sense that we would all tear it out anyway. Yeah, it was, and it was wasteful. That's exactly what it was. So there were a lot of houses that we wouldn't looked at and we're like, this is nice for somebody, but it's not nice for us. Like we can't go, ripping out this brand, brand new, kitchen. new kitchen brand new tiled bathrooms you know it's just such a waste so we ended up looking at a number of renovation projects and we had an offer in on one house and it fell through and then we found this other home that was owned by this older uh, couple and the husband I think had passed away and she was downsizing and they had owned they built the house they were the only owners of the right. house built in the 80s built in the 80s so it was kind of a, sp- and the same thing happened with this house that we're in currently actually is built by the, uh, 
owners and the owners passed away and then we came into it. So it was, but they're definitely haunting the places. I don't think so. I got good vibes from both houses. <laughs> they're friendly ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> when I first went into the house, I have no, and still don't really to this day, it's got, I've gotten better at this, but I don't really have a great ability of visualizing the final thing when I've got to see someone else's stuff in the house. So we walked into this house and there was just like, you know, this typical stylings that you would see or expect from uh, an elderly couple mm -hmm. or an elderly woman who's living in the house. You know, we go in the basement and the basement was sort of half finished, but they had emerald green carpet and dusty rose painted walls. And that was like the color combo of that era. Mm -hmm. And not to mention that the, the basement was sort of half finished and it wasn't done properly, um, which actually made it easier to rip out when we ended up doing that. But you know, this is the kind of stuff I'm seeing. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't visual, I can't see past this. Well, even the living room was painted like a mint green and she had like floral furniture and you had a very difficult time. And I was like, there's hardwood floor. That's all. Like, don't even look at the furniture. And you were like, I can't get past the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Chiz. My name's Chiz. And I was like, dude, like, look at the walls, look at the space. There's hardwood floor. I mean, really, that's all, like, that's great. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you still have a little bit of a hard time visualizing things. I'm better like. at it though. Yeah. I feel like that's actually one thing I'm good at is, is visualizing things. I feel like if I can toot my horn for a second, cause I'm not really good at a lot, but I feel like I'm spatially aware of things. Like, yes, definitely. Yeah. You're good at more, you're good at more things than that, obviously. Thank you. But you know, like doing all of this channel, all of this podcast, <laughs> all of everything that's our, all of our content generation. So, but yeah. And I think with this house that we're in now currently in Buffalo, New York, mm -hmm. I was able to see past, um, that a little bit better only because of drawing on the experience of our first house. But right. going back to there at that point, I was like, you were saying, I can see it. This is perfect. This is the visualization. Your brain started going. You were manic almost with it. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, holy shit, we've looked at 20 houses already. She thinks it's perfect. All right, let's just let's do just it. Let's just fucking do yeah, it. Yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, going back to the smell thing, after we had the house renovated, I remember get, I got a whiff of something. I don't know if I like opened the closet where the hot water boiler was or something. Mm -hmm. I got a whiff of the way the house smelled when we first moved in. Um, before we started renovating it. And it was like, I was back there with the house completely. Isn't it funny how much harder it is to think of what that smell smells like right now? But if you do smell it, how fast it just transports you back. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, we spent 20 minutes basically talking about getting into our first house and we never even talked about generating content yet. Okay, so... Yeah, so during this time, we should mention mm -hmm. that I was doing um, freelance video work to kind of keep money in my pocket to get through med school. Yeah, and I was doing, I had Bold Creative, which was freelance design photography, and we had just sold our screen printing studio, and we were doing wide format printing at our house. Wide format inkjet printing, yeah. like photo like reproduction, photo reproduction, canvas reproduction, or reproduction of photos on canvases. But the majority of my income was coming from um, graphic design and photography at the time, mostly real estate photography. Right, yeah, so that was your, that was your area. So I was still, I was working from home. Yeah. But we weren't doing, there was no, there wasn't really any social media at that point mm -mm. to the point where people were monetizing it. I mean, at that time, people were doing blogs. That was the thing to do. And I feel like when we came into doing the blog, it was kind of towards the tail end of it. It almost felt like, I felt like it was a little bit late to get into it because people who were seeing success on blogs were, had been blogging for 10 years. Right. And then that, I think that's when they were 
there were it was always the blog was their main platform and then social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But were Instagram all sorta, wasn't even a thing then. No, but those those platforms, Facebook, whatever was available, right. MySpace, who knows? Yeah. Whatever was then th- those uh I guess commercially owned public networks were sort of a secondary thing to the blog and the blog was the primary thing but i think that's flipped now it is yeah most people back then had their own website and didn't rely on the third like the on social and now people, people just use rely on rss social. feeds yeah and now people are like oh i'm a blogger if they have an instagram account right you're not a blogger you're an instagrammer true so, you know you're not yeah. a blogger unless you physically write a blog that's that's a good point yeah just like you're not a vlogger unless you actually make vlogs true yeah. I guess that's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we just like, that was the thing, to, that was what you did. Like, if you're doing home decor stuff, I was like, we're going to start a blog. If you're going to generate content, you're going to you make a blog. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we got a WordPress account and we started writing. The, un- the Uncommon Common Law was the name. <gasps> what a stupid name. <laughs> what a fucking well, stupid name. Why do we call it that? Because we were common law partners. We but had moved we were, in together. But we were doing design stuff that was different than what other blogs are doing. And therefore, we were uncommon. Right. Because... Right? Yeah. I thought it was a real catchy name. I mean, well, I guess it was a little bit catchy. I mean, looking back, it's a little bit cheese. Fuck you, man. You're probably cheese. Fucking, probably like Swiss cheese. Not blue, but Swiss. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because going back to that time, when you looked at bloggers who were doing home decor at that time, it was very hard and very rare to find somebody who was doing modern decor. At, everyone was doing farmhouse. Right. Everybody was doing farmhouse or traditional or eclectic. Nobody was doing modern. So when we started, it was really weird because we had this weird niche that was really obscure. And I don't think really people were interested in modern design at the time. Not the people that were in your circles. And a lot of it, your view of that realm was based on the company you were keeping online. That's true. And your blog blogger friends were all part of basically, we're all Canadian bloggers. Mm-hmm. You're limited to what they're into. Right. And a lot of them were doing, like you said, farmhouse, traditional, whatever. Well, like that on top of living in St. John's where there wasn't a community for that. Right. Yeah. So you were sort of the oddball out making that kind of content. Yeah. There's a couple of people who were doing similar things. Yeah. Like, Dreamhouse, Ta- Tash, yeah, and, Tash Kess and Kess from the Dreamhouse project. They they were like, I think that her, them and I we got close right off the bat because we were the only people doing modern stuff, and they were building a house at the time, and their house was awesome. Yeah, and I remember looking at their stuff and being like, "Fuck, like that they're doing like that's what I want to I want to yeah. build a house like that." Yeah, and they they were doing it from the ground up. That was like the dream. I, ideally, I guess for that's us, why they called it the Dreamhouse project because that was yeah. A, yeah. But for us, like the, I mean, the ideal situation would have been, oh, let's build a house from scratch and do it exactly like we want. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just obviously wasn't realistic given time and monetary constraints. Right. Okay. So that was what we started doing. We started a blog Mm -hmm. and that was from, I don't know, like 2012 at that point. 20, I think we bought the house in 2011. I think we started it, started writing our first posts in 2012. We were never overly consistent. No. There was a short period of time where we did get consistent with it around creating with the stars time, which we can talk about after the break. But yeah, essentially we did 2011 to 2016 was our blogging. Yeah. And a lot of stuff you were doing too was like DIY posts. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just before and after room renovations. No, it was like DIY projects, 
my thoughts about something like whether we should do the deck or the bathroom next or yeah. like, you know, we had a big leak. So I might've talked about that or there was the 12 like, DIYs of Christmas. Oh God, I did so many. And you know, I hated doing those, but I felt like I had to do them because everyone else was doing them. Yeah. That's the funny thing. That is really funny. But uh, we were I, finding ourselves. We were. And I think that's kind of the joy of the journey when you start, you know, a lot of people want the success and everything right off the bat, but some of the fun is finding yourself and experimenting with these different types of content and seeing what works for you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, when you look at it, if you, if you count the blog as when we started doing stuff on the internet, like it's been almost 10 years. And I feel like only within the last two years, I feel like we've really settled into our little corner. And even now our, our content is still changing. We're going back to what we were with this new set of fresh eyes and a new set of skills in the video world. Yeah, it took us, only took us seven years. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? Like, that's, if you're not changing and growing, like, what the fuck are you doing? It's true. Yeah, you know? people get bored. Definitely. All right, so I think that's a good time to take a break. Okay, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Creating with the Stars, like when our blog was the most popular. I feel like that was the apex. That was the apex. The All pinnacle. Right. Yeah, the pointy part. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. So as promised, we were going to tell you guys what Creating with the Stars was. 2014 was probably when we were becoming the most consistent on our blog. We were posting a lot. We were writing a lot. We were in that part of our home renovation where we were having a lot of before and afters. So we were kind of like, we had started, we had a couple under our belt and projects were starting to become complete. So we were posting a lot, but our, our channel, our, not our channel, our audience was still pretty small. Like we weren't getting a lot of views on our blog. But it, I mean, it was, it was more than five. It was probably like a hundred a month. <laughs> Wasn't it or a hundred a day? I don't know. Well, when we started the blog, we always said like, this is just to hold us accountable to finish projects. Right. And at the very most, it gives us a timeline, but also it allows, you know, ma, ma and pa to see the What's progress. Going on? Yeah. yeah. But mostly to be held accountable. So Creating with the Stars was this competition. I think it was like an annual competition. And it was hosted by um, East Coast Creative, which was a blog. Monica and Jess ran that. And that was, they were one of the bigger names, I think, in the blogging realm. Mm -hmm. And so they made this, this competition called Creating with the Stars, where I think it was like 12 people or 12 blogs would get paired up with 12 sort of bigger, heavier hitting bloggers in that realm. And they would basically be their mentors. And it would be a competition which had different themes. So there, I think there were like four rounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, every week there was a new competition with a different theme. And then after you submit your, after you give them your submission for that week, they anonymize everything. And they have everybody who was following the competition vote on it. So who was the winner? And then at the end, they'll they'll basically tabulate who won that round. And then at the end, they pick an overall winner. You got the theme and you had like four days to come it, up. It was less than a week. Yeah, you had like four days to like come up with your idea, build your entire project, finish your project, shoot your project, edit your photos and send them off. And then you would start all over again. Each round you'd have, they'd have the top three people in the round and each of those people would get prizes. A couple, few people would go home every every round because at the end it was the last round it was just two people so yeah this is like a pretty like intense we had never done any like growing up watching HGT and those like competition shows like it was like that but it was like written in photography versus on video 
Right. And so we heard about this competition from somebody and somebody was like, oh, you should enter this competition. And it was like two hours away from the deadline to enter this competition. We're like, oh, shit. So like, well, we we did this project where we made these like x-ray light boxes, which you can see on our blog. I'll link them in the show notes, beckyandchris.com slash podcast. Find the episode that this is. You'll see the pictures. So we submitted that project and we got in. Yeah, because what it was, was it was 12 people they were picking. So everybody uh, submitted a sort of a DIY project with, I don't think there were any restrictions. It wasn't like a theme. It was just like, submit your best DIY project yeah. and we'll choose the top 12. And I think there were like 299 posts. The project we submitted were the, was the x-ray light boxes and that was made the top 12 out of 299 entries. And after talking to Monica, after this was all said and done, she told us, remember she told us, she was like, oh my God you guys were like the last submission, like right at the deadline, like yeah. right at the buzzer, you came in and we were like, holy crap, this is like a pretty good project. It just came in at the last second. Yeah. So that was that was pretty funny that we were the last people to enter, but we ended up winning. Oh wait, spoiler alert. We won. We won, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the first project was a making a knockoff of something. And so we kind of, you know, being into modern design, we made a knockoff Nelson bench and I think that, what did we get? We got third place out of 12th in that round. So it was, it was enough to move on. Mm-hmm. I, the funny thing, going back to, to like to styles and stuff, the majority of the people who were in this competition were definitely doing more eclectic and farmhouse style stuff, which there's nothing wrong with it. But it, you and I and one other person were the only people to do modern design. Right. And a lot of people were taking inspiration from like anthropology and farmhouse stuff. And you and I were pulling inspiration from mid-century modern pieces and like classic. Yes. Um, that era. Classic modern pieces. Yeah. yeah. So definitely the contest was supposed to be anonymized, but I think that our stuff probably stood out the most, not because it was the best, but necessarily, but because it was different. People could figure out who it was our style because we're the only ones doing modern. Right. But we didn't have an audience at the time either. So I don't think that would have played into it. Right. Yeah. Because they they were supposed to anonymize all of it so that it was a more fair, um, objective um, contest. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, so round two was paint. So you just had to use paint. So we made, uh, we we, uh, drew from our background in doing screen printing and we basically made our own screen because everything had to be homemade. So we made our own screen, used a sanded down piece of one by two poplar as a squeegee and literally screen printed, uh, screen printed napkins. Napkins, Yeah. Yeah. We had a vinyl cutter at the time. So we cut the pattern from vinyl, like sticker, vinyl stickers and made the screen out of that. So we did, um, screen printed quote unquote, with fabric paint napkins. So they were white napkins with light gray plus signs, which was like a super hot um, pattern at the time for modern design. Um, We did that. And then we did these painted placemats, which were square, like 12 by 12, I think, um, birch plywood that were half painted in like a mint blue. Right. It was like that paint dip trend was really hot then, like dipped things. Yeah. Things that were dipped, that looked dipped in paint. Yeah. That was like super in. Yeah. And And was that it? Uh, I think that was it. Yeah. Do you remember during that round you tried you wanted to do this like thing where you had all this like built up paint and then you like cut away? Oh, or I s- saw I saw a uh, video where the people would would turn on a lathe. They'd turn paint 
built up paint things from spray booths for like automotive spray booth remnants. You spent all night concocting this like paper mache thing in the oven. Yeah. And it just like turned out to be this like big white log. Yeah. It, it, it just like didn't work at all. Fail. It was like a total fail. But we, I figured that, you know, can't put all our eggs in one basket. So imagine if that was our project. Oh <laughs> it's Here's this white log. turd that we made in the oven. <laughs> it's like, um, where's the paint? Well, it evaporated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we actually shot that whole, those, all those photos down at Sam. We did because they had nice big windows for natural light. We didn't want to use our house because it was supposed to be anonymous. Right, right. So we wanted to take like everything away that pe like that people could say, oh, that's their house because we recognize the table or the right. chairs. Right. And that was what the, the guidelines were, was that if, I think you get disqualified if, if it was too obvious what that it was or yours. you told people what your project was. Right. Okay. So third, so we got, I think we had second place at a nine in that round. So third round was upcycle. So basically, I didn't even know what upcycle meant until this contest. Mm -hmm. I guess that was a trendy word for the bloggers back then to like take something that was trash and turn it into something useful or whatever. Yeah. It's basically like taking mostly somebody would consider in that world, say, finding an old dresser at Value Village and painting it or refinishing it. Okay. That's right. normally what like an upcycle would, would look like in that world. Okay. So I literally went dumpster diving. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you totally did you're like i'm going down to the college i'm going dumpster diving and so i was like i'm gonna stay here so i don't get arrested the college of north atlantic is yeah. where you went to college to study graphic design right and that's the only reason that i knew that the the behind their building there was a dumpster behind the welding department yeah and they had metal scraps right a dumpster full of metal scraps yeah so i found like i guess they were practicing like cutting the ends of like pipes or something pipes off because they had these rings mm -hmm. so and i always wanted to learn to weld so i went and bought like one of those cheap welders from princess auto which is equivalent to like harbor freight okay can US. we just say like keep in mind we had four like four days to do this so within four days chris went dumpster diving he went and bought a welding machine he learned how to weld and then welded this beautiful piece of art and then we mounted it and photographed it and i backlit it with leds and you backlit it with leds <laughs> <laughs> so my buddy spam he who was actually a professional welder yeah like he he show, basically gave me a quick crash course and he's like, all right, man, I've, yeah, I've been here. I got to go home, go to bed. I'm, you're on your own now. So it's like 10 PM at night and I'm in our driveway in the middle of winter, like welling. There's like lightning. It's just, you know, like the, the arc from the welder. Just yeah. The it's like, there's like blue fucking flashing. It's like goddamn Simpsons, you know, when he's in the fucking, what is that thing that he's in? The fucking nuclear power plant or whatever. And it's fucking feet. Anyway, can you imagine what our neighbors thought? Like on multiple occasions, like, some of the things that we would be at out in the driveway. I recall like, it being the same spot in a similar time at night, probably months later, blowtorching <laughs> <What? laughs> wood <laughs> for, the, yeah. for the reclaimed wood wall that we did. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we made you made this big metal piece of art out of yes. shit that you and found. And we ended up getting there. first place. We got first place. Out of six. Yeah. Now listen, we're only saying this. We're getting we're coming to the punchline. We're not just saying like, hey, we're so cool, like we're turning our own horns. There's a point to us telling you this at some point. But continue to the next one. Okay. So the final round was home decor and... This was like... I was fucking pumped on this one. Yeah. So this was like basically a full before and after. Yeah. Which worked out because we hadn't finished the basement. So it was sort of the excuse to finally push and finish the basement renovation mm -hmm. and then use that as the project. Um, and I, I guess that was the last round. It was between two people and we ended up winning. No, it was between three. Remember oh, they three. brought somebody back. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. Anyway, so we ended up winning that and winning, in turn, winning the full competition. Now, that was kind of cool because we did the photo studio, but Sam designed the one modern store in St. John's. We started building this relationship with them. Yep. And she said, come down, take whatever you want for staging. And oh, yeah, she, that, would, that yeah. was helpful because we didn't, 
A, couldn't afford all the furniture that we wanted. B, we couldn't really use stuff from the rest of our house. Because, because it, everything was DIY and everything was documented on the blog already. Right. So it would have been really recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. So we borrowed, I remember we borrowed um, a Gus slat bench and a G Romano yellow like pillow and just like a bunch of like shit that I could never afford at the time. Like thinking about how much those accessories were at the time, like that pillow cost like probably as much as the couch it was sitting on. Yeah. Like it was yeah. crazy. The Ikea couch it was sitting on. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. We still use Ikea furniture. Oh, yeah. It's cost effective. But yeah. Uh, so we ended up winning. And how did that change everything? We, as I mentioned, didn't really have much of an audience, but it was kind of like a moment where I was like, oh, like we can do this. Like this is like a thing that we're pretty good at and that we could probably turn this into some kind of side hustle or a job or something. Um, but also it was kind of like a, a little like, hey, you can do shit without an audience and without being super popular on the internet. Like you can still become successful without having those numbers to back you. Right. And I think that was the biggest thing because there was a little bit of drama, which we won't talk about, but people were mad because they said that there's no way that th these people could win because nobody looks at their blog. And right. they the were problem... right because we were getting like 180 hits on our website a day where they were getting 10 and 20 and 30,000 hits on their website a day. Right. But that it kind of harkens back to the original rules of the the contest was it was supposed to be anonymous. So whether you have an audience or not, it should it technically shouldn't matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they were telling their audience to vote for them and secretly telling them what their project was, which was against the rules. So, yeah. but there were people who were very distraught that we were coming in and ranking and moving on. And, and nobody knew who we were. Right. Yeah. yeah. To the point where people were like, I think some people were saying in the last round, they're like, oh, well, the, then, then the tune changed. It wasn't that, oh, they have no audience. It was, oh, they're cheated because their audience knew that they they did their that that was their basement because they had an old blog post um posted right. like a year earlier or two it's years like, earlier oh, yeah, the, that the showed 50... the before and the before pictures but we took that blog post down knowing that yeah also like the 50 or 30 probably more likely 10 people who saw it like right. two years ago. and i remember monica saying she was like i mean no offense to you guys but you literally had like 10 people who yeah. look at your blog. Yeah. And we didn't we show her the center of the stats, yes. like the actual yeah. analytics? Yeah. And she's like, look, this is proof that like 10 people ain't going to swing this contest that knew who you were. Right. Yeah. So I think like it just went to show that like you can really do some cool shit without having numbers. And everyone thinks like you had to have this big following and stuff to like be doing good work or to be successful or to to, you know, win something or to be a part of something, but you really don't. And so the, I think that was a moment where I was like, shit, like I could actually do this. And so from then on, I was working pretty hard to generate constant, consistent blog content. And some of it was a stretch, like the 12 DIYs at Christmas or like ra like a random like tray project. It's like which, content for the sake of content. Yeah, yeah, which is really silly. And that's something that we don't really do now. But um, yeah, it was kind of like, shit like yeah, I can actually do this for a living and then that changed my mindset of do I want to be f doing graphic design and photography for people or do I want to be building my own thing in this really weird blog world but then we moved because we had planned on coming back and building a cabin and we wanted to like try to build our social media so that we could bring on sponsors for that project we're going to make the blog bigger we wanted to make the blog bigger <laughs> but it, it was also an interesting thing in like finding voice as well. Right. Because I think when your style is so different 
than what everybody else is doing. There's always that thing in the back of your head where you're like, should I be doing something more? Like, would I be more successful if I did something like what this person is doing? Well, it's easy to copy when people are doing something that's already tried and true. It's like, oh, it's worked for them. Therefore, it should work for me. And I'm just going to default to doing what they're doing. Right. Yeah. It's very hard to have originality in anything. Definitely. And it's very hard to blaze your own trail when everybody else is going one way. But I, I would counter that to say that if you find yourself always veering in a different direction than the pack, mm-hmm. that's an advantage. And just know that that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I think that's ultimately, we always came back to this thought that, oh, is this really what we want to do? Is this the right choice or the right content or the right thing? It's not like it's, it's different than what everybody else who has gotten success is doing. And I think we always justified it because at the end of the day, we always said, well, why are we making this content? Mm-hmm. Are we trying to do this to get likes on the internet? Or we're we doing this because it's we're using it as, we're trying to be authentic to ourselves, use it as a timeline for our own lives. And if success in uh, you know, blogging or at that time or social media or whatever, the what's the primary end goal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And in the end of the day, if you say, the end goal is being authentic to yourself and creating content that you like and that provides a timeline and it doesn't matter if the numbers are there, then I think that that ultimately will keep you going. And if you're doing something that's unique and people see as valuable, then you're going to have success. Definitely. It's funny. I saw uh, there was a conversation on the Pixel and Lens Facebook group earlier today and um, one of the members came on and basically said like, hey, like my channel is not really growing. I feel like my videos are good. Like, I'm not getting any views and likes, and I think these videos are good, but nobody's watching them. And there was just kind of like a discussion on like, okay, like, obviously don't make your worth about likes because it's so stupid to do that. But it kind of made me reminisce a little bit about why you start. And there was a lot of discussion about niching down and you know, that's always a conversation, niche down, become successful. It was never, and I think it's about like the intention when you start, like, are you starting to document your life and to have a timeline like we did? Or are you starting it to make money and have it as a business? And I think that strategy depends on which way you're going. For us, it wasn't about being an influencer or, and I put that in quotes, or it wasn't about being famous on the internet or having likes or views or subscribers. Like for us, it was literally, hey, let's document this, have a timeline of our life, and then in however many years, it's going to be really cool to look back on, especially when we started the blog, the vlog, when we documented our year in Vancouver, that was for us. That wasn't for anybody else but us. Yeah. And, and it, then it turned into something. And then soon, like people, it's like, oh, we, we started realizing, oh, as we slowly, gradually gained a, a, a following and subscribers, it was like, oh, people actually care about seeing this content. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? We, our, our joke was always like, oh, we just thought our moms watched this, mm-hmm. you know? You know, it's definitely like, not to say that subscribers don't matter. It's awesome when people like what you're doing and they're, and they're coming and you're growing. And, oh, it's a know, great feeling. It's yeah. a great feeling and it's motivation. And it's like, cool, like maybe we're helping people or inspiring people or uh, hopefully making people laugh because that's what we love to do the most, you know? <laughs> but it's not all about numbers and subscribers. It's just about like doing things that you love and keeping true to yourself and that's what we did during that competition we just stayed true to ourselves and true to our style and whether we were going to become popular bloggers or not because of the 
style that we had. And we never became popular bloggers. We never did. No, no. we never did. Although after winning that contest, we ended up, was it on, we were on the Today Show? We were on the Today Show. We ended up being featured on Martha Stewart at one point. We were featured on the Bob Vila Home Again website. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle Bob Vila. Fucking Bob Vila, man. Yep. Yeah. It's just like all a weird blur and it's all a part of the story. And uh, before we move on, uh, one of the nurses that works with us at our outpatient lab works with me. Mm-hmm. She was looking for what she said, moody, dark living room. Mm-hmm. She searched that on Pinterest and ended up seeing a picture of a living room. She's like, Ooh, this is a really nice one. She clicked on it and went to the Becky and Chris.com website. <laughs> she was like, Becky and Chris? Wait, I know a Becky and Chris. And she's like, <laughs> then I clicked on the about section and it was you guys. I was like, what the hell? What is this? She was like completely oh my God, that's so funny. beside herself. I was like, yeah. oh, that's too funny. That's that you'd find that on you'd click on a link on Pinterest and it would end up taking you to a website that turns Pinterest out to, actually worked for once and actually rooted to the right website. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. But so she couldn't wait to tell me that that next morning. That's so funny. <laughs> so so that's basically how we started off in the blogging realm. And that's also why you might be curious why we've been posting more home decor stuff on our Instagram and our Instagram stories and why we've been posting more home decor and DIY projects on our vlog. Right. You might have come here when we were travel, quote unquote, travel vloggers or like weekend adventure vloggers, whatever you'd call it when we were in Vancouver. Or you might have come a bit later when we were, I don't know, helicopter era. But if you go way back to our original era for content generation, it was Reno- home home decor, renovation. DIY. Home DIY stuff. And that yeah. was the longest era we've had thus far. 2011 to 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. Full circle, man. But, you know, the goal was always, like, when we started YouTube, like, we didn't have any home decor projects. So we were like, well, we'll document. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to document our year. And we'll make the most of it. It was to hold us accountable. We went on adventures every single weekend. We documented them. Mm-hmm. And then we started doing photography and video tutorials because we were into photography and video. Right. We had probably like a decade or two of experience under our belts at that point. Yeah. So we're like, well, it makes sense for us to be sharing some knowledge about this. Yeah. So that's why we're kind of like, dab- we dabble in the photo video realm. Like I feel like a lot of our peers and friends in the YouTube space are photo video people. Definitely. Yeah. I consider us base photo video people, but we don't actually, when I look at our channel, we don't make a lot of content about that. But it's also fun to make content about that because we love doing it. We love photo and video stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, we dabbled in that. And then when we moved to Buffalo, it was about moving. And then when we bought the helicopter, it was about the helicopter. But the intention was always to get back to the home stuff. I mean, we always have incorporated as much home stuff as we could possibly include in our vlogs it's just we were renting and so we didn't have a lot of content to right. make and my my goal is not to have be bouncing from niche to niche my goal is to have a sort of sampling uh at any one point sampling of all of our interests and niches mm-hmm. and you know one episode might be on helicopters another episode might be back to the home stuff one episode might be another photo video center thing and then back to whatever yeah i'm just like not interested in having a channel that's so niche that I have to talk about the one thing and then I'm not allowed to play with other things. Yeah, if I ever have to worry about posting a video that's going to alienate my subscribers, yeah. then I haven't achieved my goal. Yeah, I agree. And like, you'd run out of content. Like, I don't, I've never in a long time have been like, fuck, what are we going to post a video about this week? Because you have so many different things you can pull from. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go do this today and hopefully people are coming to hang out with us versus just to learn about photography, you know? Right. Um, so about that switch though, not switch, but shift from blogging and writing to making video, Mm -hmm. how did that, how did that happen? 
Well, it, there was kind of a moment when we were moving to Vancouver. We were like, why are we writing? I mean, we 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 switched our we we shifted gears then when we moved because we were renting and we couldn't have do any home renovation stuff anymore. Right, but but there was a con. It wasn't that just that we because if that was the only thing, then we would have switched making blog posts instead of making it about home stuff. We would just made our blog posts about travel, right, or weekend adventures. But we didn't. No, like you wanted to make a YouTube channel. Okay, so I was really inspired by the Canadian travel series called Departures, and I had always wanted to make a travel series video. Right. And I was doing video freelance video work since, you know, well, we had a background. We had a background in it. I did some video work. I had never really done audio, but I had done a lot of dance videos and mostly dance videos, actually all of all dance videos (laughs) (laughs) and a couple interviews actually here and there, but I had done dabbled in a bit of video, obviously heavy into photography and graphic design. And we had gone on a couple of trips in like 2015. And I remember like filming a little bit on my like iPhone four and putting together these really dumb edits, but I had always really wanted to make travel videos and and a travel series video wise and never really knew where to start. And I was really overwhelmed by it because it was like overthinking the year what camera do you use? What, how do you mic it? Do you lapel mic it? Da, da, da. And so, um, we just decided, Hey, we're moving. So this is the perfect opportunity to do this travel series and to document it. And we just bought a bunch of shit before we left. Upgraded some of our camera gear, bought a drone. Yeah. (laughs) Bought the Osmo. Thought it was going to be the ultimate vlogging camera. We had never vlogged before. It wasn't? No, it wasn't. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We should just use the 5D. Well, we had the 5D Mark II at the time, which didn't have autofocus and video. But I didn't even know like autofocus was the thing because at that point we manual focus yeah. pretty much everything. And all of our projects were like set up shots, right? In, in like a studio setting or in a controlled environment, so not a lot of it was run and gun. Yeah, except for my BMX stuff. Right, but it, it's funny to think back on it because the transition to doing video was natural, and looking back, it's like why the fuck were we writing? Like video telling our story through video was way more natural, even though we were a little awkward a lot awkward on on camera at the beginning, you know, writing was a struggle for us. Writing was a struggle for me. And even though I learned and improved my writing, like I can write an email now that is coherent. Like I never (laughs) really loved it. And can you though? Can you? uh, Can you? Well, (laughs) I'm just kidding. My husband still trolls me on the Twitter, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean just like video just become is more natural. I fucking love editing. I love editing so much i actually don't like it that much what i mean it's monotonous for me oh my god it going through footage sucks but like putting seeing the story come together in the timeline and adding like doing funny edits and adding music and i like the grade i like the, the grade yeah i know you like the grade I, nothing joy gives me more joy than watching a clip before the grade and then mm-hmm. turning on the effects layer it's so good and it's like punch yeah some people great. don't like the editing at all like there's a couple of my friends who are in the home decor blogging world who want to transition to YouTube who hate video so much that See, they're struggling making that that's, transition. That's the difficulty that we had, just the opposite direction. Yeah, writing was We a hated struggle. writing. Yeah. But we wanted to blog. Like yeah. why didn't we just why didn't we just shoot YouTube videos from the beginning? It doesn't make any sense. I know. And then sometimes I think back, like, imagine how we started earlier but you can't think about that no no you can't think about that i'm glad that everything went the way it went because it's a it's a part of your story i think we learned a lot about ourselves and the stuff that we like to do had we not been blogging and had we been making videos and we if we didn't enter creating with the stars i don't know if my mind would be where it is now 
And I don't know if we would have started the YouTube channel. Oh, that's a weird thing to think about. Isn't it? Because we did start the YouTube channel when we moved, but we actually did a couple of DIY videos before that. We did how to do laminate flooring and we did uh, 10 renovation tips or something, some stupid videos. And so we were trying to make that transition. But you did a DIY tray table, tray, tray fucking wallpaper on a tray. It was the dumbest video. Wall, he basically put a sticker in it. Done. Yeah, done. Ding. 30 seconds. <laughs> really well, I was cute. doing this 30 second DIY series. That's what yeah. I was doing at the time. But um, we were making that transition because we had seen success on the blog. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, well, this is working and people are starting to show up. Maybe we could do video because we're good at video or we thought right. we were good at video. Yeah, because our first videos were actually in St. John's before we moved to Vancouver. Yeah. That was the, actually the beginning of our, our YouTube channel, UCL TV, Uncommon Law TV. Yeah, because at the time that was like the thing. It was yeah. like to do whatever TV. Yeah. Oh, my God. God. So cheesy. <laughs> so funny. But you know what? If you're not looking back at your old work and cringing, you're not making progress. That is 100% true. Before we leave, we're bringing back the uh, That's Friggin' Deadly segment. For those of you who have never heard that's friggin' deadly before, because we've literally only have done it one time. I miss the friggin', so I don't even know. I don't even know the segments in our friggin own podcast. Deadly, man. That's friggin' deadly is when we talk about something that we're really into. Something that we like. Something that's deadly. Okay. Deadly means good. It means we like it. She's fucking deadly. Okay. What's your what's your that's friggin' deadly choice? Do you have one yet? I have one, yes. Okay, I'm gonna tell you mine. Okay. But you can't laugh. Okay. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> It's the panda suit you bought me? No, but that's a good one. Um, it's canned tuna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is deadly. Can, canned tuna is deadly. It's freaking deadly. It is. Can, yeah. Let me tell you a story about canned tuna, okay? Listen, it's very versatile. You can make tuna melts, okay? You can make tuna pasta salad, all right? You can make... Tuna fish cakes. I had to write it down because there's so many fucking things you could do with tuna. Okay. Since this isolation, I've been cooking. I hate cooking. The kitchen never stays clean. And I bought a bunch of tuna because I am shitty and don't know how to buy groceries. So I bought tuna. And then I looked at the internet and to see uh, recipes. And one time I had a tuna melt one time at this restaurant that was really good. And then I thought, hey, maybe I could try my own tuna melt. And it was great. It was, it was deadly. Fantastic. It was deadly. It was friggin' deadly. Fucking canned tuna, man. Friggin' you, deadly. You never had purchased tuna prior to the lockdown. Well, I used to... No, by Jesus Christ. No, I... The thought of canned tuna turned me guts. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I used we used to have canned tuna all the time growing up. Tuna mm-hmm. fish sandwich. Yeah. The thought of it rots my fucking gut. Like, I can't even. But when I eat it, a little celery, a little mayo, a little red onion, a bit of pepper... <laughs> little smokehouse cheddar grill it up on the stove bit of butter <laughs> fucking deadly right. okay well what's yours can tuna so um my <laughs> i'm gonna stick to the the home renovation oh, theme here sorry stick staying on topic here peckham um my uh that's freaking deadly item mm-hmm. is the saw stop table saw oh that is freaking deadly that we got friggin' deadly okay let me say can i say something we had never ever had a table saw this is our first table we saw. We borrowed your dad's old blunderbuss table yes, saw. we borrowed. We did not own it. From like the 90s or 80s or whatever it was from. Tell where, us about the saw. Where the 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 the, the gate mm-hmm. was not was not automatically um, be squared off with the blade. You had to like measure the front and the back of the blade to God. make sure it was square before mm-hmm. you locked it down. I got this new saw stop table saw. 
And not only is it deadly because you literally, it just came perfectly calibrated out of the box. You just put the, 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 the I don't even know if I'm calling it the right thing. I know nothing about all the technical stuff. But it was really surprising for you. The, the gate, like the, the, the fence, sorry, the fence, that's what it is. The fence, you put it on the measurement and the little red line, it's perfectly calibrated. Amazing. And then you, you, you lock it in place and it's perfectly square. Don't you love when shit just works out of the box? Yeah. Oh, it's so, so much easier. So, so fast. And uh, so that, but also, let me tell you, not only does the table saw work great, but it has a mechanism built into it that, and I think it works by, it puts an electrical current through the blade and Mm -hmm. it senses like an impedance change or resistance change in the electrical circuit. It senses, it's basically a flesh detector. Oh, it detects your flesh. flesh. So it flesh, it detects Can your you stop flesh, saying flesh. And when it detects flesh, Chris, it shoots a pneumatic cylinder, shoots a brake pad into the blade and it sucks the blade into the table. That's friggin' deadly. In a split second. So it saves, so you may have a little tiny cut on your finger, but you won't actually like lose your finger or mangle your finger. That's always been my biggest fear about operating the table saw. And t- let me tell you, as an interventional radiologist, if I lost a finger. Oh, you'd be fucked. I'd be so fucked. You'd be so fucked. Yeah. And you, you're after seeing like a number of table saw injuries. Yeah. Like and also in my line of work as a diagnostic radiologist, I see every, you know, every, you know, a couple times a month, you see saw injuries come yeah. through the emergency department. I'm reading x-rays of hands where there's severed fingers Jesus. or just mangled hands from, and it's usually more often than not, the table saw is the culprit. Yeah. I've seen a couple chainsaws too, but the table Ooh. saw is is by far by and large the lar- the most frequent injury that I see. Yeah. So anyway, this has given me a lot of peace of mind. Now it's not to say that you know you just be cavalier and you don't want to forego all you know protective measures and just be cavalier with it. You're obviously going to be very careful. Use a pusher to you know with small pieces, etc. But um, this is just gives me another layer of, of, of protection mm-hmm. and gives me a little bit more peace of mind. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing I have to worry about is, is stuff coming up and hitting my eyes. Cause as a, as a radiologist, you need your eyes as well. Well, that's why you wear those sick goggles. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they fit my Coke bottles underneath them. Anyway. The best part of that though, is that we dropped like all this money on the saw stop and then bought the cheapest, shittiest fucking miter saw. Yeah. That one and sucks. it sucks. Oh, it's so bad. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks so bad. So I usually, like when I buy tools, I try to like, if you look at the curve of law of diminishing returns, it's like you get, you can spend exponentially more money Mm -hmm. to get not exponential improvements in quality. Had we spent a little more money, we would have gotten exponential But there's there's a sweet spot that's right in the middle of that you, you don't buy the, I never try, I try never to buy the cheapest thing because you spend a little bit more money and you get a massively better product. Yeah. But then once you try to like upgrade from that middle ground product into the higher end stuff, you spend exponentially more money for only small incremental improvements. Mm-hmm. So I always try to buy the best bang for your bucks right in the middle of the road. Well, we got a little bit gypped on that one because Ryobi tends to be like a pretty good middle of the road. It's really affordable and their tools pretty are pretty good. And we bought one, a chop saw, but right. it was missing a piece because it was a floor model. So we brought it back and they didn't have any more Ryobi tools. Right. Chop saws. So we bought whatever that brand is with the blue. Because of the K. It's like, it's like, it's, it's the, whatever the house brand is, the generic brand in Lowe's. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Yeah, would not recommend. It's like. It sucks. <laughs> it's like. The bearings aren't smooth. Yeah. The cuts are. Cuts are like never, never square. Anyway, that chop saw is not friggin' deadly. No, a chop saw should go straight into the trash. So I think that 
concludes this episode. <laughs> well, hopefully you guys found this interesting and got a little bit of insight into how we got started on internet content and how we got into like doing home renovation stuff. Because I feel like if you're pretty new to our channel, you're probably like, what the fuck? Why are they doing home this? renovation stuff? I signed up for other things. Yeah, like photography and video stuff. Just know that we're doing all of the things. So hopefully yeah. you like it all. And also we gave you probably a long-winded version of how we bought this house, bought our first house. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably half the half, yeah, half the podcast. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll see you guys in the next one. Uh, I'm hungry. Okay. Should we make a tuna melt? Let's do, let's make a tuna melt. All right. Deadly. All right. All right. That's freaking deadly. See you in the next one.